Welcome to the Fathom Academy podcast, a podcast designed by Fathom for Fathom to resource you to go deeper in your relationship with God. I'm Kyle Knight. I'm the youth and digital minister here at Fathom Church. Thank you so much for listening in wherever you're at. Uh, This morning, we have a brand new staff member, a brand new intern here um, at Fathom Church, Josh Post. Welcome, Josh. How's it going? Oh, great. Just fantastic. Um, For those listening, if you listened last week, um, we had kind of our first of our, I guess, two-part mini-series of Meet the Interns, um, which was Joel Cathy last week. And now we have part two of our Meet the Interns because guess what? We have two interns, two new interns here at Fathom Church. And this is Josh Post's time to to learn more about him, to hear more about him. So thank you, Josh, for being here. We really appreciate it in this sauna of a podcast studio right now. It is warm podcast studio, podcast lounge that some people have called it because we've got the lighting. It's, you know, it's legit, right? Yeah. Um, it is snowing outside this morning a lot. And so it's extremely warm in here. Um, but you know, that's, that's Colorado. Um, so Josh, this is all about you. We would love to have Fathom Church get to know you a little bit more. So let's just start super simple. Tell us a little bit about, and a little bit could be a lot of bit about yourself, um, where you're from, where you grew up, all that kind of stuff. And then I'll just, I'll just pepper you with other questions. So go for it. All right. Wherever you want to start. Thanks, Kyle. Um, yeah. So I was born in Beverly, Massachusetts, uh, lived there for only two years. And then moved to upstate New York, where I lived there until I was 12. When I was in upstate New York, uh, just had a stereotypical, I'd say, like suburban upstate New York kind of lifestyle. Uh, Two parents still together, love each other very much. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, One older brother. And then also was part of a Baptist church there that we really enjoyed. And then when I was 12, my dad got transferred for his job down to Atlanta, Georgia. So lived there until I was 18 and graduated from high school, uh, part of a Southern Baptist church there. Uh, yeah. So I always have to say both those places because if I say I'm from the South, or say I'm from Georgia, people say, well, you don't have a Southern accent. But then <laughs> I say y'all, because I let, I let slip a y'all and a bagel every mm-hmm. once in a while. And people are like, where are you from? I thought you said you were from New York. So I'm like, all right, I just kind of have to say both. <laughs> You're just very, just a, a good mixture of mm-hmm. everything. Good mixture <laughs> of the East Coast. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, cool. So after Georgia, um, when you were 18, what what happened next? What happened your your teenage years, your I guess, early adulthood, Mm -hmm. where, where'd you go to school? What, what kind of happened after Georgia? Yeah. So I, uh, graduated from high school, went back to actually New York, went to West Point for two years, uh, did that for two years. Then I actually felt a calling from God to go do missions and volunteer work for two years. So I actually took two years off between my sophomore and junior years of school, did uh, missions work in Ukraine, uh, Oklahoma and Nepal. And uh, that was, yeah. Wow. The intent was to do two whole years in Ukraine. (laughs) Wasn't working out. So I worked with the International Mission Board, which is Southern Baptist uh, missionary sending organization Mm -hmm. in Ukraine. Then I worked for North American Mission Board at a uh, boys 
ranch that was also like a, a boy's home in Oklahoma. And then in Nepal, I actually was not working for a uh, Christian organization at that mm-hmm. point. I was just kind of doing some secular volunteer work. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, after that, uh, went back to West Point, did two more years there, graduated, commissioned into the Army, was then an aviation officer for about four years, four and a half years. I got to fly helicopters for the Army. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. And then another four years or so, and then uh, I switched, uh, sorry, next four years, I switched to Civil Affairs Branch, which was really interesting. It's a really interesting uh, mission in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I resigned from the Army to uh, go to seminary with the ultimate intent to go back into the military as a chaplain. That Okay. There's a lot to talk about. There. <laughs> and I, I have so many questions. Yeah, that's fine. Um, go for it. Let's mission stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and th- you know what? This is awesome. And this is what uh, Joel was talking about last um, last episode, too, is like, I have just met you guys, too. Mm-hmm. So this is what's great about doing this and about hosting this is I get to meet you guys kind of for the first time, too, and hear all this. So I'm like, I had no idea. Um, mission stuff. Uh, what, what kind of, what was that kind of call into missions, especially like, I mean, Ukraine. Yeah. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and and that calling and what, and mm -hmm. why missions and what was like, what, what were you, what were you passionate about when it comes to missions? Hmm. So that's a great question. And I'd say. My sophomore year at West Point, I was not 100% sure I wanted to be in the Army. Mm-hmm. and Or at least, I'd say I was still 95% sure, but I knew that this would be like the last opportunity for me to do something like this mm-hmm. before I would join the Army. So, so the way West Point works is you could actually do the first two years there and not owe back the government anything. Hmm. But the second you set into a foot, so you set foot into a classroom, your third year, you're then locked in. So, okay. And the, the interesting thing is that Mormon cadets actually do all the time what I did. Mm. So they mm-hmm. is to do their like two years of mission work. So me and my buddy, really good friend, Elijah, we basically walked up to our officers over us, the admissions department, et cetera, and said like, Hey, we're two Protestants. Uh, can we do this too? And they're like, well, we don't really see why not. It's, it's less common, but like, <laughs> it's a like good question. there's no real difference between you and them because right. you have to fully resign. You have to fully reapply. So, um, so I had a really good BCM campus minister, Dwayne Gregory, um, who's since, uh, passed on, which is really mm-hmm. sad, but, uh, he was constantly, um, pushing us to do missions, pushing mm-hmm. us to like, you know, just, really follow God and, you know, step out in faith. And so that was kind of really his, um, his urging as well was definitely a huge uh, aspect of this. And Ukraine was definitely not my first choice. That would 100% very, was it even on the list? It really (laughs) wasn't, but the kind of how that happened is West Point had already the West Point BCM had already developed. I don't remember all the details of this. So mm-hmm. if someone's listening who knows more than I do, Oh, I'm sure. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, please correct me later. <laughs> but I don't remember all the details. But, you know, what the West Point BCM basically already had a relationship with some um, 
Southern Baptist missionaries in Ukraine. Mm. So they had already been leading kind of like some short term missions trips there to help them develop a uh, actually a Ukrainian chaplaincy in their military. Mm. So they had already kind of we had already kind of had a relationship with some of the missionaries there. And my buddy, who I already mentioned, Elijah, had gone on one of those trips. So Elijah felt really called to Ukraine. I was best friends of Elijah. And so Elijah was really pushing to go to Ukraine. I wasn't necessarily pushing to go to Ukraine, but the missionaries in Ukraine were like, oh, we'll take both of them. So I just kind of like just got pulled in with Elijah, which was, I mean, in the end, it turned out totally fine, you know, but yeah. (laughs) That's great. And then, so you're there for how long? I was there for about 11 months. So the plan was to be there for all two years, but Mm. um, I just was not enjoying the work as much as I would have liked. Uh, I had some difficulties with my American boss and it just became clear that, you know, I should move on to something else. So that's kind of why I left early. But while I was there, you know, I had great experiences working with the Ukrainian church I was part of, you know, we, it was a lot of like your stereotypical, just like, uh, preaching the gospel and, uh, through English, Hmm. through English classes, you know, and just partnering with other Ukrainian Christians already part of the church who are like also taking the classes, kind of co-leading the classes Mm -hmm. as well. So you were kind of like the English expert and just developing relationships with Mm -hmm. them. You know, we also, we traveled around through the country a lot, working with different missionaries. Like if they were trying to have like an English camp or do some other outreach event, um, did a little bit of like help build a church at one point. That was kind of cool. Like physically build it. So yeah, just random stuff like that. And then you uh, went to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the best part of your your time in Oklahoma? The best part of Oklahoma. That's an wow. Like mean, you went from Ukraine, yeah, to so, Oklahoma, and so, then to Nepal, yeah. Which so, we'll get to in a second, but <laughs> Ukraine or Oklahoma was fascinating because the job was posted by the North American Mission Board as being like a quote unquote student missionary. But then I get there and they basically said, Hey, if you're really passionate about like wanting to lead a Bible study or like mentor disciple, like some of these students, you can do that, but we really want you more as free labor (laughs) and, and kind of help run the ranch. So in the end, I was honestly more free labor. Like, you know, I did a little bit of interaction with the with the students, but at the same time, they kind of had house parents who were already doing Bible studies, who already had a better relationship with them. So I ended up doing a lot of labor while the kids were at school. And then um, like while the kids were home, I would kind of be essentially more like an older brother kind of figure. Mm-hmm trying to like model to them like Christian life, Christian living because a lot of them came kind of from less good backgrounds. That's a terrible way to put it, but you know, just less good backgrounds. And so modeling for that and just helping the house parents out with uh, whatever they were doing. So I'd say looking back, I'd say the best relationship or best part of the whole thing was um, just having great relationships with the different house parents and Mm -hmm. just coming to them as a servant being like, 
Like I'm not trying to impose what I want to do. I just want you guys to tell me what to do and I will Mm. assist you in that. And they were very grateful for like that kind of um, attitude that I had. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay. Now Nepal. Yeah. Nepal. (laughs) I'm not going to beat around a bush at all. Nepal was straight up. Like I want to go hiking in Nepal. There you go. And so I was there for about five months. I volunteered for four months. I I couldn't find a Christian organization I really wanted to work with in the time that like I kind of had. So I found a secular organization that I, I basically, uh, again, helped teach English and um, in different Nepali schools. And then for the first four months and then the last month I trucked around. So, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, if you're going to pick a place to want to go hiking, and mm-hmm. stuff, that's probably a really good place yeah. to pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was funny, actually, when I was in Ukraine, like literally a, a friend of mine or someone came from the United States and brought some backpacker magazines uh-huh. and it was one of their like. 20 top international trips and hiking trips or whatever issues. And I just saw it in Nepal at like three of the 20 hikes or something. I'm like, I want to go do all of those. So <laughs> that's kind of how that came about. Did you do all of those? Uh, I think I did two of the three. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> something nice. like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So after Nepal mm-hmm. kind of break down with what, what came next in your life? So throughout my entire, um, throughout this entire experience, I just described I was, you know, praying to God and wrestling of like, do I want to go back into the military? And I think I can honestly say I very clearly felt from God, like, yes, you are meant to go back to West Point and go be in the army. So I, you know, reapplied, got back in. It was great. So basically next two years, we're finishing out at West Point. Yeah. Okay. Then how, um, then what, what came after that? We're so just going to go through your entire yeah, life yeah, story before yeah. I ask. Oh, questions. you're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after that, um, I graduated, uh, commissioned aviation, which was not necessarily always my first choice, mm-hmm. but I always kind of had it in the back of my mind that I might want to become a chaplain or I might want to do civil affairs mm-hmm. or I might want to branch, uh, Basically, branch transferred a different, doing something different in the army. So I kind of figured like, well, what's something, but the way the military is structured and, you know, you kind of have to do a more, you don't have to, but it's more common to do like a a combat arms branch, as they say, prior to doing something like that. So I'm like, all right, what's the most fun job I could have for the next couple of years? I'm like, oh, flying helicopters. That sounds like fun. So that's why I picked that. So went off to Fort Rucker, Alabama and learned how to fly helicopters for about a year and a half, two years. Um, if you haven't already been able to tell, I love the outdoors and I love mountains. So when it came to like picking posts, you know, you again, it's it's the military. So you can kind of always give them your requests and they may or may not honor the request. Mm-hmm. But my like number one pick was Alaska. And sure enough, I got selected to go to Alaska when I graduated. So Went off to Alaska, which was awesome. Loved it. Unfortunately, I was only there for three months before the unit deployed to uh, Korea, to South Korea. Mm-hmm. So we ended up flying there for nine months and wow. flying around there. And that was that was fun. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so first of all, this sn- snow that we're having outside, yes. you're used to that. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And- <laughs> Living in Alaska. Uh-huh. I think you're a little bit. Oh, what was the what was the what was the best part about flying helicopters? I mean, that in itself just sounds really awesome. But like what was like one of the coolest things? What was like the best part about doing that? I'd say the best part. I mean, this is going to sound so stereotypical, but like, I don't care. No, it's uh, going to sound awesome. So yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, so I, I flew the Kiowa, which was a light arm scout helicopter. The army actually no longer flies because they're considered too dangerous. It was the last single engine military aircraft. And, uh, but because it's so tiny, you could literally just fly at treetop level, below treetop level, you know, Whoa. just like, like I, I, I hate to say it like this, but it, it, like every single day flying, you feel like you're in like a Vietnam War movie. Be like, you know, yeah. just the helicopter like coming in low and fast. And it was, it was a good time. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah, it, it was really cool. And looking back now, like I can say how great it was and i mm-hmm. and i enjoyed it at the time but at the same time i i didn't love it like i never caught mm-hmm. the flying bug that like some people catch um and there's a whole slew of reasons for that that would take mm-hmm. way too long to get into i mean and also the ar- the army was literally getting rid of the aircraft as i was training to fly it, mm-hmm. which put a really kind of sour taste in my mouth. And yeah. So like I could have learned how to fly something else for the army, but in the end I decided to just do a branch transfer to civil affairs. So um, let me ask you one kind of like broader question about your time mm-hmm. um, in the army. Uh, what, what was it like? What was it like being a believer in Jesus as you were in the army? Like, I know that's such a, that's such a big question, mm-hmm. but it's like, what, what was it like being a Christian in the army? What was, what was difficult uh, about that? What was, um, share a little bit about your experience with that. Again, I feel like that could be an entire episode on itself, but tell us a little bit about what, what's it like being a Christian in the army? Yeah, that's a great question. A really difficult question and it's uh and i can honestly say i was not always like the best example of a Mm -hmm. christian in the army you know it if you publicly identify as a christian i I don't want to inflate it but you somewhat put a target on your back Mm -hmm. slightly Mm -hmm. slightly again i don't want to inflate it to make people think that like the military is anti-Christian at all, but it's more that your soldiers and your peers will try to get you to like compromise your values Mm. or they will try to push you into uncomfortable situations just because they know it'll make you uncomfortable. Mm. And you kind of have to like roll off the punches there because you can't, you can't overreact Mm. because then that's just, not what good leaders do. Uh, but at the same time, I can say that it's wonderful being a Christian in the army when you have superiors or peers who are also Christians and you can kind of like have that 
lived spirit lived experience together or even superiors who are not Christians but at least um value your faith and see how your faith informs like how you live and how you make decisions so like for example my first um squadron commander I'm pretty sure he's not a Christian um from conversations we've had and things he said out loud but at the same time I know from I was very good friends with the unit chaplain in that unit and the unit chaplain would talk about how I was involved in the uh, on post chapel in South Korea. And I, I took part in like the Christmas pageant there. And my squadron commander is very happy to hear that. He's like, Oh, this is great. Like, like I want my junior officers like being involved in these sorts of activities, even though he wasn't a Christian himself. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know if that that's cool. fully answered your question. Well, completely enough, did. Yeah, okay, totally yeah. did. And again, yeah. I know we could talk. Yeah. We could talk about for that forever <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you for answering that. Um, yeah. Let, oh, oh yeah, can, can I? Yes. You know, one other thing. Yeah, this, this kind of is a part of my story. Um, I'd say I always wanted to be more publicly Christian than I felt comfortable being mm. in my leadership positions over others, mm. and that's partly why I felt called and continue to feel called to the chaplaincy Mm -hmm. because there you are allowed to be that, that public face of Christianity. So yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect segue. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about your, your call into chaplaincy and your call to here being Mm -hmm. at, at Denver seminary. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. what, what all led to that and, and talk us kind of through that, that decision. Yeah. So if you could have branched chaplaincy out of West Point, I probably would have. And for mm. many good reasons that would take way too long to get into, you can't. And like, that's fine, <laughs> yeah. you know, but uh, I always felt this, this calling to the chaplaincy mission because, you know, th- there's plenty of people in the military who like, and you need these people in the military who like, they love guns. They love shooting, you know, like they love all that stuff. Like I've never been one of those people mm. at all. Like, I've always been more attracted to the military as a uh, as a like potential force for good, you know, like just for our country or for other societies. Like, you know, I wanted I joined the military because I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. And um, as I spent more time in the military, I realized that that emphasis is not always as prevalent as I wanted it to be. Not saying that that's a bad thing, but just for me personally. I wanted more of a job where the the role I had was specifically to help people and care for people, specifically like other soldiers, other service members. So, you know, chaplaincy in a nutshell for people who don't know as much about it is um, it's just, you're you're a pastor without a church. Mm. You're a pastor outside of the gates. So the four key functions of a chaplain are to provide perform, care, and advise. So you provide religious service, excuse me, you perform religious services for people of your own faith tradition. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'm a Christian, clearly, Uh, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. meeting other Christians, you know, like I'll do Bible studies, I'll do Sunday morning services, I'll administer the sacraments, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But I will also be responsible to provide for the religious service, religious accommodations to people who are not a Christian, because, you know, as chaplains, you know, you kind of wear two hats. You are a member of your 
own congregation, your own faith tradition, but you are still an employee of like the government in the case of a military chaplain. So if a, um, a Jewish soldier were to come to me saying like, Hey, um, can you, I, I want you to connect me for rabbi. I'd be like, great. I will go to my Rolodex. I'll find a rabbi and I'll give you his number, you know? So stuff like that. Um, and then care, you, you're responsible to basically care for everyone in your unit, regardless of their faith tradition or not. So you have to become an expert really in like non-religious counseling, you know, just being an encourager, how to bolster people's spirituality. It's like everyone has a spirituality, even if they don't necessarily have a religion. And then advise, you know, you're just advising your peers or commanders in a lot of like moral ethical issues, religious accommodation issues. Like one thing that really came up as well in the advise role for the U.S. military in the last 20 years is, you know, as a chaplain, you're kind of expected to become, even though this isn't necessarily in your formal job description, you're expected to become like the subject matter expert for the religion of wherever place the unit's going. So a lot of chaplains had to become experts in Islam, you know, for deploying to Iraq or Afghanistan. That's super interesting. Yeah. Um, There's a lot to unpack there too. No, that is, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, gosh, I, I, I wish we could get more into that stuff, <laughs> but um, okay. So, so how did that bring you to, Littleton, Colorado and to Denver Seminary. Yeah. So, you know, again, this whole last nine years I've been struggling with the chaplaincy, struggling mm. with the chaplaincy, but then it basically reached a point where in my army career where I had to decide, I either have to get out and go to seminary and pursue this path towards chaplaincy, or I just need to stay on the path I'm on and, you know, serve for another 11 years and hopefully retire. Mm. And uh, in the end, I decided, you know what, like, life is short. I want to do something I love. I don't want to keep going down this path that I don't really love when I really feel like I would enjoy being a chaplain. So I, uh, just bit the bullet and resigned and, uh, stepped down in faith. And how did I come to Littleton specifically? That's a great story. Um, so essentially I picked where I went to school based off of two criteria. One, do I agree with this school theologically? Mm -hmm. Two, is this a place where my wife and I actually want to live? Mm -hmm. And so that really narrowed, a da narrowed the seminaries pretty quickly down to like only maybe two <laughs> or three. My wife's from the West Coast, so we did not really want to go anywhere in the Midwest or East Coast. So, uh, yeah, so that's how we ended up picking uh, Denver Seminary. The other interesting thing about Denver Seminary is uh, it's one of the – I think it is the first school – to offer a chaplaincy concentration as part of the Masters of Divinity program. So I knew I'd be able to take classes that are mm -hmm. uh, also focused on chaplaincy, not specifically just um, like theology or the biblical languages. Right. That's awesome. Now, how, how long have you been at Denver Seminary? So as a resident student, I've been here for about six months now. Um, I did a couple of classes online before, so I should, in theory, be done in about two years. Awesome. Um, really quickly, how did you find Fathom? Oh, that's easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when I was in Alaska, I was part of an Acts 29 church. Okay. So already familiar with the Acts 29 network. So when we got here, um, my wife and I normally live in more rural areas where you could count on one hand how many like evangelical Protestant churches are in the town within mm -hmm. driving distance. 
So it's normally a little bit more easy to pick a church. But moved to Littleton and we're like, whoa, we are overwhelmed. <laughs> There's so many churches here, so much to pick from. So I just went on the Acts 29 website and I'm like, oh, that one's within biking distance of the seminary. Let's try that one. And we just showed up first Sunday and um, really felt at home. Um, met your wife, actually, mm-hmm. and, you know, found out we have a connection yeah, with yeah. Um, Rockland Church. So, mm-hmm. so that was just kind of a, another sign. Wife really liked uh, the preaching as well. And my wife has very high standards of preaching. So <laughs> it was like, all right, so sounds feels like this is a good fit. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. I, I'm glad your wife approved. <laughs> um, before we get into um, I, I do want to talk about your family. Um, but let's as we're on the, the topic of fathom, tell us a little bit about um your your internship here, mm-hmm. kind of what and we were just talking about this before we hit record. Um, just kind of like what you'll be doing. Your your role is pastoral intern, um, but kind of what your focus here at Fathom will be. Yeah, that's a great question because we're we're still not hundred percent mm-hmm. sure what my focus will be. Um, I met with Chris a couple times. At this point, I'm just going to kind of be a general pastoral mm-hmm. intern, where you know, help set up and tear down on Sundays. Um, Pastor Chris is going to kind of teach me kind of how he does sermon prep, kind of lead me through a sermon prep process. So hopefully I'll get a rep to preach this summer. And um, also one of my big passions, if you can already tell from our conversations, is like kind of pastoral care and counseling. So hopefully joining Pastor Chris um, in some counseling as it comes up with the permission of um, whoever he's talking to, stuff like that. Um, Over time, my intent, my hope is to like lead my own D group as well, mm. but that's only over time. So yeah, still trying to figure that out. And, uh, as next couple months doing those things, if like a need arises or I feel really called to a specific area, um, I might kind of latch onto that. That's, and that's awesome to hear. Like we're, we're just, we're so glad that you're here, um, being a part on, of, of staff. And um, especially like just in those areas and, and just learning from Pastor Chris and and everybody here. And really, it's that it's that servant heart that I see. That's just like like that. I mean, and that's that's a lot of what ministry is, especially in a small church that is a church plant. We're coming up on our seventh seventh birthday that it's like, hey, where you know, where do you need me? Where where do, where where is there a need? And I'll and I'll fill that. So I love I love hearing that. Um, I got to ask about your family. Like tell, tell us a little bit about your wife, how you met your wife. How long have you been married? Um, your little one, your little one on the way, all that kind of stuff. And be so brief. I'm just kidding. Don't, yeah. you know. <laughs> so my wife and I were set up by a mutual friend, Dr. Neil Warren. And if you guys, uh, don't remember all your TV commercials from about five, six years ago. Dr. Neil Warren is the founder of eHarmony.com. So we actually, yeah, we met on eHarmony.com. <laughs> That's a great way to say <laughs> Yeah. Met so, on eHarmony. Yeah. Yep. So we, um, so she was in Alaska at the same time I was, uh, she was in Skagway. I was in Fairbanks. So we literally had to drive through Canada every single time <laughs> to, uh, see each other, uh, 14 hour drive. So, wow. Yeah. So we basically met on eHarmony, um, fell in love, doing all sorts of crazy Alaska outdoor things mm. like paddling through glaciers and hiking Man. and st- like 
Yep. Dog, just, dog just sled the races. Normal, like, yeah. First, second date, like date stuff, you know. Oh, just, literally, you know. our first date was a three day backpack. Sorry, three nice. day kayak camping trip. Oh. Yeah. Where her friend came on to chaperone. So, there yeah, you go. It was a good time. Yeah. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, my wife's a park mm-hmm. ranger with the National Park Service. So, so, that's what she was doing up there. That is really cool. Um, how yep. long have you guys been married? Uh, a little over five years now. Okay. Yeah. And talk about your kids. Yeah. So we got Teddy. Uh, some of you have probably already met him. Um, he's 22 months old. He's adorable and awesome. And then we have another one on the way coming in July. Awesome. That's such a, do you know if it's a boy or girl? No, we don't. And we're going to keep it that way. We didn't cool. know for Teddy. We're not going to know for this next one. Uh, we figure that there's very few surprises left in life. So we want to just uh, keep it a surprise as long as possible for us. This is so crazy because those who are listening, who like are seeing some similarities, we had a couple here at our church for, for a little while. Um, Matt and Holly, I don't know if they're listening, Matt and Holly, <laughs> shout out to you guys um, who were here. They were um, Matt used to be in the military. It's long, long story. They just got back into the military after a long time of trying to get back in. They just moved to Las Vegas um, to, to pursue that again. I think they're getting into the air. He's getting back into the air force, uh, but they have a little boy named Teddy. And so it's, it's, it's crazy. All this connection. I'm like, this is wild. Mm -hmm. We had a Teddy. Now we have another Teddy. Um, (laughs) So I'm just excited about that. Um, So, just as we're kind of we're running out of time let's let's we're gonna i want to wrap this up a little bit um what is uh, what is one thing before we get into like a couple fun questions but about fathom church what's what's a few things or one thing that um you really that that you love about this church that you're just like this is this is where and i know you said like your wife loves the preaching and you guys felt at home but um what do you see here at fathom that you're just like this is this is where we can call home at least for a little bit. Like what, what's mm. something you love about being here? So I think the obvious answer is, um, you know, a, a church that preaches the word, you know, that's first and foremost, very important. Another is a sense of community. Having a sense of community has always been uh, pivotal for my wife and I, and, mm. you know, we've, we prioritize that in a church almost before anything else. Uh, the other thing too, I like about fathom is, uh, you know, you know, you come on a Sunday morning and it really is intergenerational. You know, you have young families with children, you have, uh, singles, college Mm -hmm. students, you have older couples. I mean, older families, like that's great. And you don't see that as often in churches anymore. So that's wonderful as well. Um, and then I had another thing, but now I forgot it. Hey, that's it okay. went out of my head. Yeah, that's okay. Um, okay, as as we're wrapping up, um, what I know you like the outdoors. <laughs> what else do you like to do for fun? Maybe and maybe it's an outdoorsy thing. Like, what's your favorite thing to do if you have? Maybe you and your family have like a Saturday off. Uh, we had a Saturday off where we could actually work it around our son's nap schedules. There you go. We would, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We could probably go skiing in the winter or uh, stand up paddleboarding and hiking in the summer. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, <laughs> um, couple quick things. Uh, what's your favorite movie? 
Oh man, and that's maybe hard. you can say I don't like movies. Oh, I love movies. Uh, okay. Probably, uh, but it's hard to narrow it down. Kingdom of Heaven, probably. Okay. Uh huh. Um, let's see. Anything interesting about you, like a special talent or anything like that, that we need to know? Don't worry, nobody's listening. I have no talents at all. <laughs> um, one interesting thing um, I already kind of mentioned this is you'll probably see me bike to church more often than not. So. You see a bike uh, on Sunday mornings. It's probably mine. Um, got a nice mountain bike, too, so I'm still going to try to do it as much as I can over the winter. Nice. Nice. I know you said this morning as you were coming <laughs> in, as it's like dumping snow outside, <laughs> that you were going to try to bike here. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. yeah. Go yep. for it. So you'll pro- I feel like you might have to bring the bike into the church. I don't think we have any. Oh, I, I normally just lock just it up on the... In. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, we got a fence out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, Josh, thank you so much for being here. We um, and not just being here for the podcast, but thank you for. I mean, it's just so great having you and your family here. Um, We are excited to have you here um, and just being a part of of staff here at Fathom, but just being part of our church. We're um, we're really blessed to have you guys. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for Appreciate being it. here. Um, church, uh, get to know Josh and and his wife and his kid and his other kid that's on the way uh but just just get to know them talk to them introduce yourself to them um on sunday or the the sundays coming up again church we thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time 